Stoked to have my guest during the pandemic when comedy clubs were shut down and comedians had nowhere to go but virtual shows, Nico Lukoff created the Facebook group. Displaced Comedians became the hub for over 10,000 comedians from all over the world to get booked on online shows, but more importantly, it created connections and friendships in the stand-up community that still stand today. Recently, Nico parlayed a Twitter conversation into a guest spot on Bill, Burr, on Bill Burr's tour, which is a testament to the phrase, it doesn't hurt to ask. Here comes Nico Lukoff. Nico, how are you? Hey, Scott, doing well, man. How are you this lovely morning? It's great to have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. I've been wanting so, to do this for a while. I'm glad it works out. Yeah, so I think I, think I was fairly early to jump into Displace Comedians, but I didn't. I didn't interact a whole lot. I just kind of watched what was going on. And I was one of those guys that didn't do a ton of online shows. I did the Plano thing and then I did a few feedback mics and stuff like that. But yeah, I just didn't, I didn't do a whole lot, but I watched quite a few. And I'm going to jump on the one you're doing here later with Judah Freelander on Eventbrite because I'm a bachelor this week and... <laughs> I got nothing to do, but what I want to do, there's a ton of things I should be doing, but I'm just going to kick back and watch that. I think you should be doing exactly that, Scott. I think you're doing the perfect thing for a Sunday afternoon yourself. Yeah. I just, I just need to take some time off, but yeah, I, I thought Displaced Comedians was really cool. And some of the things has happened there that's kind of happened with this podcast. Can you talk about first off, what gave you the idea to create it and then just tell me what's come of it for you and other people and some things that you've heard from other people from it. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a part of it too. And being, and like you said, even not doing some of the shows, cause not everybody wants to do a zoom's weird. <laughs> yeah. But it's a different thing. <laughs> so like when I meet people that like, when it comes up, like they're almost low on, I feel like they're insulting me sometimes like, Oh no, I didn't do any. Cause I'm like, dude, relax. I don't, everyone does their thing. You know? And so I had just started, doing stand-up about seven months before the pandemic. I had done about 30 live open mics. I did it while I traveled for my job in sales. I'd never done it in my home comedy scene. I'm in Idaho, so Boise is my scene here. I'd never been a part of that scene though prior to, you know, prior to the pandemic. And what just happened was when everything shut down, I, you know, I just started. So I just got that first hit, you know, I was like, I couldn't stop. I would have, I don't know what would have had to explode. Like I just, that wasn't a possibility for me to stop working on this. So it's kind of, I think a combination of the right timing and some of my naiveness, I think that kind of led to yeah. <laughs> making this thing it kind of was a perfect storm in that sense. So, so yeah, so I was at home and just was like, Hey, I still need to do this. And I noticed that somebody, one of the comedians, Carol Freeman, who I met in Tacoma, Washington, which is one of the areas that I'd done some open mics at was doing a zoom. She was hopping on a zoom and I just want to see what it was about. I just wanted to see, is this something that I, you know, could do or worth doing or whatever. I just want to check it out. So I don't know if you remember Rachel Rothenberg from the early days yeah. of Zoom, Zoom land. She had, she was doing her Zoom open mic and she's out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Great comic. She's in New York now. And she had a really cool thing she was doing and had like 25, 30 comics. I think I'm there doing five minutes and watching people do sets in their living rooms or cars and everyone was just kind of figuring it out. Saw Carol do her set and like, this is pretty neat. This is something that I need to figure out. So I thought, okay, I, I didn't have a webcam or any, you know, equipment other than my laptop with the crappy webcam built that I didn't have like, a good one. I was like, all right, what angle of my garage can I show people? And how do I stay in here and tell jokes for a while? 
I didn't understand virtual backgrounds yet. And I went on and I did a set, which I actually watched like a couple of years later. And it was kind of painful to see, but <laughs> I talked for five minutes and worse things that happened before, you know, I didn't feel like I had a, you know, I crushed it at some live thing or anything. I got enough to go, okay, this is something. It's definitely not the same thing because duh, no one thinks it is because it's not, but it's not nothing. I, I got to figure out how to utilize this with this, however many days or years were, you know, in this situation because we, we had no idea at the time. And so I started doing hers and then I realized there were a couple different people from different scenes because as you know, and I don't know one of your visitor viewers, if they're not comedians, might not know there's all these different Facebook groups for basically every comedy scene. Yeah. There's a group. So when you, when I travel for work, the Northwest is my sales region. So I was in like Portland and Seattle area where I did most of them, some in California. So I would join those groups when I would go visit those scenes to try to see what open mics to go to, what, you know, what's going on there. But then when everything shut down, I was watching each of those scenes and each of those scenes, there's oftentimes like one or two people that were like, Hey, I'm doing a zoom. Hey, I'm doing a zoom. And I was like, Oh, so there's several people doing this, but people in different scenes just don't know about it. And those people in those scenes are focusing on their friends that are just like, Hey, you know, we're doing an open mic now just this way, just because we're not doing it live. It's great. But then I was like, someone's got to organize this or we're not going to like, there's value to organizing this and that's knowing what's going on. So you can go, Oh, here's this mic over here. This one. At that time, there's like four or five. And I was like, oh, there's so many. Then it came out to be hundreds eventually. Yeah. Now back down to probably four or five-ish range. But, you know, it's, it's by supply and demand. So, so I just was thinking, all right, someone's got to organize this. And I was actually chatting with Rachel about that because she was talking about maybe doing something like that. And, and she kind of just didn't really want to or wasn't into it. And then I was like, well, I'm going to do that by this weekend. And I did. I made a Facebook group. I made that, that ridiculous. I really enjoy the cover photo. Just a stupid... Yeah. It's Jack Nicholson yeah. in The Shining, and then it's got, <laughs> and I don't know how to do any graphics. This was me just drawing displaced comedians. Yes. I'm glad like you child. kept that. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm glad you do. It, it just, it kind of shows like the roots of it. It's just like, it's just a silly, weird ass thing. And then I made just one post in the group, like a main pin post or whatever the hell they've changed the name over the years of just, here's the list of the Zoom open mics, when they are. Uh, where they're based out of, because some people are like, oh, it doesn't matter where they're like, it kind of does because you get to be in different scenes mm -hmm. to an extent. Who's running them? How much time you get? Are they streaming? Are they not? You know, the information I thought would be pertinent. How do you sign up that pertinent to, to accessing it? It ended up being just a really long post on Facebook. Whenever I had one, it just took so long to update. So then I made the Google Sheets thing and I didn't want to make it. My initial thought on that list was not, I, I kind of wanted you to be in the group, not like as like a gatekeeping thing, but I wanted it to be of a community, just like a website out there that doesn't live. But then it was like, all right, this has got to, you know, just spread share it where we want to. Here's a spreadsheet. And then I would just find hosts that were looking, that were doing stuff and interrogate them. And sometimes I'd be like, why is this guy asking me so many questions? Because <laughs> I was good at the time. I think some saw the value in it, but some were just like, what's this guy doing? And then it just built. And then it turned the reverse where people were then sending me a bunch of information eventually after I had like, interrogated people and seek that out. And, you know, I started inviting, you know, allowing anybody who wanted to join the group join. Cause I just thought if you saw this group it's cause you were a comic or a fan of comedy, someone who thought they'd want to start comedy. And that's really what I kind of was making it for. Cause I got friends that are like just personal friends that aren't comedians, but I like them being there just cause they got to see behind the scenes. And some people that are just comedy fans, it's fine if they're not actual comedians. And a lot of people on there are never going to do comedy in live form. Right. And that's fine. Just a way to connect. And then it just kind of, blew up and had a few hundred people in a couple of days. And then I was pretty excited about that. And then, uh, and then I started actually paying attention a little bit to everyone that I was clicking on. 
and it grew and grew. And as of right now, I think we've kind of, there's still people do request to join and I let a lot of it in. So it's just hard to block off some spam stuff and then have to beat that away when it gets in. Uh, but we're, we've been at that 10,000, 10,200 mark for I think a few months now. And, and it's just grown and been a place to connect. And as you've seen, and, and you asked what I get from it or kind of, yeah. And what's, what's been for me. And I think it's pretty cool that you were only seven months in when you started the group. So you did quite a few of the virtual mics and things like that. How did you, did, do you feel like you came out of it better at what you do than when you went into it? Oh yeah. I had like maybe two minutes of okay material out of zoom. I had you know, more than that, but it was so weird because I lived in this for so long. Like my first, I don't know how many sets and my, the comics in my local scene could tell you probably, but I sounded, but I was told like, I seemed, I wouldn't say polished. Like I was like, I thought stuff I was saying was perfect. I just mean like, I sounded like I knew what I was saying or it was clear what I was doing, but my timing was so weird. Cause you know, on zoom, you know, I know after this, doing that Zoom show is going to mess with my brain because I haven't done it in a little while because the timing's different. If one person laughs, it takes over the whole Zoom. It can. And then, you know, someone could just take a bong rip, open a bag of chips, and there goes your punchline. Your yeah. internet drops. Like, kids run in. That hasn't <laughs> happened in a while. But just all these things that I think Zoom, I think I know that Zoom gave me material and connection. It didn't make me a better performer on live stage. I had to peel away a lot and I'm still working to today to be doing that because I've been back to doing live stuff for, gosh, a year and a half, two years now, I think. About mm. a year and a half-ish, been pretty consistent. But I was doing Zooms like one to three a day was not out of norm for me at the time. So I was kind of just lived in there and yeah, absolutely better comic. If I hadn't been doing this, I can't even imagine what would have happened if I didn't. But if I just, but if I didn't, I there's no way to have had any material. Yeah. You know, yeah. write recipes, but not get to taste it and share it with people to see how it goes. Like, right. this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. One thing I found is that you really need an outlet to say the words that you've written out loud once in a while, just so you can hear them back. And I'm one of the things I've done that isn't necessarily online comedy, but through your group, I've made connections with people where I'm on online writing groups. And the nice thing about that is, is you come in with a premise or whatever, and it's kind of like the thing I'm doing on here now, is this anything where you go through it, they give you tags, they tell, if, tell you if it's funny or not and stuff like that. So I'm on one active on one that Dan Bublitz started that oh, we nice. do on Sunday nights and it's really refreshing because it's good people and it's people who are a little bit more seasoned, especially more than I am. And it's really cool to be able to bounce that off people and then take it to a mic or a showcase or whatever. And it's a, you're a little bit more confident of what you're bringing forth and just saying it out loud really helps. Absolutely. Honestly, that is my, that's like the top favorite thing about this whole thing was those experiences. I'm glad Dan's doing that. He's awesome. I talk to him all the time about stuff and get advice on things and great guy, funny comic and, uh, and the workshop stuff, like the, uh, the folks doing the hot breath stuff. Yeah. Joel Byers group and the people involved with that, they, 
that was awesome. Like you go on and you just have an hour. Everyone's doing five minutes. They got three minutes of feedback. You're just being honest. You're not kissing anyone's ass. You're not just looking, you know, you're just being honest and just wanting to help each other get better. And I ran a couple of Zooms, not a lot, but I did a couple where that's what I did is where I think I saw a thing about a year ago is like the first one I did where I just invite some people in. We have five or six comics. I would make sure to have at least one or two like very seasoned comics that do this all the time. And we would just go around and do sets, do five minutes each, and then just take as long as we needed to discuss any feedback from anybody. And that's one thing I liked also about the doing the mics and the shows is that like right now I have one note open on my laptop. It's way easier to do that because when you're at a live show, it's a little more awkward to take a note. You look kind of like an asshole on your phone, yeah. you know, but, but I'm like, oh, my friend just said something and I just, something clicked that was different. I have a different perspective than they do. They have a different perspective than me. Like if we're connected, we're helping each other. How much better could, I, could we all get if we just helped each other? Yeah. Because yeah. we're good at coming up with stuff on our own, but we're stuck in our own thing. And then if someone's over here saying something, you might think of something. So in Zoom, I love just noting something down. And then usually those people have, you know, you've communicated with, so it's not just like some, someone completely random, but sometimes it is like, Hey, mind if I throw you a thing, I thought of something during whatever. And they're yeah. like, usually they're like, great. And if they're like, no, fuck you or whatever. I'm like, I don't, okay. I don't care. And same, if they throw, want to throw me something, obviously I might not use it, but like, it's just how much better can we be? So when you're in that environment when you're sitting and you're actually focusing, like the ones you're talking about and that I was talking about too, like that's, that's powerful. And some of the locals here in the scene have talked about doing some workshop stuff, but if we do that and I'm a part of it anyway, that's the format I want. We actually do it on stage, not just because like right now, I know we're going to talk some bits back and forth and that's great. But like, if you're as a group doing it, I think, say, hey, let's just do sets how you would do them. And then let's talk about it in mm -hmm. between or after or whatever. I like that a lot. Right. So I'm glad that you got the value out of it. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's really cool that when you get different perspectives like that, I've had jokes that come from a certain perspective mine and i get these got, i know? get these other perspectives <laughs> and i've actually retooled jokes that still have the same spirit of the joke and maybe even the same punchline but i've brought it around to where either it's more universal for all audiences or it hits on things that i didn't even think about but is still once again in the spirit of the joke and that is so helpful to get that type of feedback that you can move on with it. I love that so much. And that's, I had that happen recently where I did a set that I was pretty happy with. I knew it could, needed some work and I, I was chatting with the comic who's doing this, you know, for a decade or longer, whatever, so way longer than me. And just there's really good at it. And they looked at, watched the video and gave me some honest things that part of it was like, oh, I wish they were just like, it's so great, of course. But like, it was, that doesn't help you grow, but it was like, you know, this stuff was good, whatever. But like, these are the things that, you know, to think about in perspective that I didn't have at all. Cause like I said, you're you on me, like, you know, we're not going to have someone else's. Yeah. My but biggest like, problem is if I do pop culture references, you know, I'm uh, going back too many years sometimes. Pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's. Yeah. And like TV shows and stuff like that. Like I've got one where I mentioned. Anson Williams from Happy Days, and it's, I lost almost everybody that was, like, under the age of 45. And I mean, I watched that on Nick and Knight. I couldn't tell you who that person is. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. And it's etched in my brain. So if I'm doing a show that everybody's 55 plus, 
I'm totally cool with it. But any yeah. if it's a mixed audience, no, it's not going to work. Yeah, that's great. And one of the cool things I saw out of Displaced Comedians is that the connections that were made during the pandemic have come over to real life and yeah. people know people now people know bookers people you know there there's actual business being done because of the connections made on displaced comedians and that's got to make you feel pretty good it really does that's i just it i love like so, so i still travel for work and i'll go somewhere like i, I did an open mic in near, near seattle i uh, forget the name of the city blanking on it but i will just did an open mic like just a standard like bar open mic you know with 10 humans in there and a handful of comics and a bartender you know which actually that's a lot of, that's actually a lot for a real audience uh -huh. <laughs> open mic uh and i got off you know after the thing we're all hanging out and some dude just came up to me and was like hey man i've been doing your zooms i've been on your zoom so like i we had never met i had never been on the same zoom that i we didn't remember being on the same zoom but knew some of the same people who do a lot of the same zooms so we're like we had that connection that no one else around us at the moment did. We're like, oh my gosh, you saw the thing. But like we were, to, but like the, the fact that we hadn't connected directly, but did know the same people like very recently. And we're around people who like had no idea about this world. It was just so fun to just like meet and hug and take pictures. Like, ah, I mean, and then I've met people who I have hung out with and done stuff with. And then, and, and that's been really cool. So it's been, that's the fun emotional side of it. But the um, business side, yeah, I think that's really neat that people have been able to do that. And it's been beneficial to me too. You know, I don't know that there's a specific like booking because, you know, I run a Facebook group or whatever, but it certainly got me to different avenues. There's actually one thing that I hadn't really been very public about the monetary side of it. But a couple of years ago, there was a production company out of LA hit me up that was doing something with Variety in partnership with Facebook, mm -hmm. Black History Month. They were showcasing professional black women comedians and interview and having them on with, they wanted to have some black women comedians on the Zoom to be able to like talk about, uh, you know, their life and their, what they're doing and getting advice and stuff like that. So like a big thing that was streamed, you know, had a bunch of people and each of those comics that they brought on got a decent handful of cash and I got a little money too. That's so that great. was just kind of fun. Yeah. I was like, oh, sweet. Hey, honey, look, all that time I spent in my garage on the computer, there's some money from yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was doing something neat and it was kind of fun. So like connections like that have just been really cool and I'm uh, very fortunate to be able to be connected with so many neat people all over and work yeah. together. And one of the main, you know, things of, that they talk about in marketing yourself and marketing in general is just when your name is mentioned that somebody remembers it for something, you know, and, you know, hopefully something good, but, you know, just that <laughs> name recognition really helps. And, you know, I know you've done that for yourself. And I know a lot of people out of the group have been able to do that as well. That's great. I'm really glad I, I put, I got up to a couple of the mics when they announced me and they explained displaced comedians or try to. Yeah. And it's always amusing. It's, and I yeah. love it. I'm not upset about it. But it's funny, but then I just go up and I just go, so I started that. So first I want to say, sorry, guys, that was all my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. I want to get in, I want to get into the Bill Burr thing because I, I, I read, so I read your post about it, but I also read your, the two articles you have on Medium. And I think it's one of those things that really cements the fact that you don't get anywhere if you don't ask as far as comedy is concerned so can you go through the you don't have to get into the minute details but then i got a couple people i want to ask about 
but okay. I want to, oh, and before I get into this, you know, I got introduced to a guy and I'm helping him launch his podcast from Boise, Chris Foster. Yeah. Uh, hey, Chris. I don't know if he's watching. Yes. Awesome. Through you. And he said that you mentioned me at some point and we, he listened to one of my episodes and liked it. So he sent me a note and he said, yeah, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. And I said, well, I'm starting podcast consulting. So let's get together and talk about it. And so I'm helping him oh, cool. put everything together for that. So I thought that was cool. But back you to Bill. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Oh, sorry. Just real quick on it. So I actually hung out, I hang out with Chris all the time because we go to the same, you know, mics and shows and uh -huh. stuff. I was there a couple of nights ago. He recorded his first episode and I was hanging out with him and the comic who he just interviewed on that episode and was talking about you. And he's all, he's all stoked and really appreciates your help and stuff too. So, so yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah it's it. neat to make connections like that wouldn't have happened yeah. if I didn't know you and the group. So the whole Bill Burr cool. thing, you know, Give a synopsis of what happened and how it happened and how you ended up actually getting on stage. So if you read the articles, you know, I'm not great at synopsises, but I will do my best. Yeah. Um, well, you can so, give me a long version. Well, I'm not going anywhere. So, <laughs> so, so it started, it was just, I was at an open mic in Boise. We got great open mics. The host and producer, Haley Lenhart Weiss of Blue City Comedy was announcing Nathan Scott Ford, very funny comics, doing it for 22 years. Great dude. And he's here in our Boise scene. And she was announcing him just come up with the open mic. And he had mentioned like having a dream that he got to open for Bill Burr or something like that. So she was announcing him was like, hey, everybody right now, get your phones out and tweet at Bill Burr and tell him that Nathan Scott Ford, comic Nate Ford should open for you at, you know, when you come here in December. And uh, she was just like getting kind of amped about it. It was kind of fun. And, you know, a couple of days passed and I had tweeted like five times ever. And I don't have like notifications on my phone for Twitter still yeah. or anything. I just, but I just, I just went on. I was like, oh, I'll just see who did it. But nobody did. I was like, what? <laughs> he, he just clicked. How hard is it to fucking work? Whatever. Yeah. And I and I get that some people, like I don't, the thing inside you that goes like, don't ask, you might be a shit, whatever. It just isn't a thing that's ever been inside this. So whatever. And then I just did. I was like, hey, Bill Burr, you know, comic Nate for my friends is very funny. You should open for you or something, you know, something like that. Open it for you and you come. And then I was just fucking around a couple hours later, looked at my phone and he replied. And I was like, what the hell? This is insane. And part of it was like, I'm so new. I'm like, is this normal? Like, is yeah. this how it, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person ever reach out to a celebrity comedian and get to do something with him. But like, it, I didn't know what level of like, oh, okay, I guess that's something they do. Like, yeah. I don't know. But I guess <laughs> it's not really as common as I guess, as I thought, I, mean, I don't know. But then he replied and in such billboard fashion, he just wrote, he said, he replied and said, I heard he's a self-promoting cunt. Yeah. And I was like, that's a credit right there to be able to be like, comic Nate for come to stage was recently called self-promoting cunt yep. by Bill Burr on Twitter. Would have been a great credit. But then, <laughs> then he replied again and just said, I'll give you five up top. And the way on Twitter, how you reply and it copies both people. I acted, I mean, a little, I saw an opportunity. <laughs> That's yeah. real. I, I DM'd him like, so you talk about me too? Cause like we're both in the thing. I'm just, and I, so I just DM said either way, really appreciate it. So at this point, I think. I'm going to go buy a ticket for a hundred bucks and go see my friend Nate Ford open. And I'm just going to have an amazing time. I'm so excited. But then I, you know, I DM Bill Burr and then nine days, he replied nine days later. He's like, he just wrote, I'll put you, I put both of you bums up. Uh -huh. And I was just like, oh, that's, that's so great. I'm so happy. And then, and I posted about it and I got nervous because then the venue was like, why are you posting about this? Who says you're on this show? I'm like, oh, don't make anyone mad. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> closer to the show I actually did post about it tag him but 
And then, and then, so for like, we're like, okay, we're doing this. This is awesome. We're all excited. But then like a couple months passed, it was six months of excitement and fear because I was always, because, oh, so Bill ended up following me on Twitter, which I legit think might've still been an accident and he just doesn't know yet. I don't know. So I was a six months. I was like, I never really tweet anyway, but I just really got to make sure to don't post anything that makes a guy go be like, fuck these guys, <laughs> you yeah. know? And every time I message him, I'm like, at any point, he could just be like, these guys, this isn't worth it. So I'm also like strategizing with Nate sometimes when I'm messaging with them, like, because we want to get the info. I'm like, I can't just go to the show and be like, hey, Bill said, let's let me in. Like, how do we actually do this? And he's like, I'm going to send you this info. And then that didn't happen for a little while that I reached out and then again, and then it went back and forth and then got it all, did the whole thing and got to go do a handful of minutes on stage in front of nine to 10,000 people in Idaho at a place that's mostly does rodeos. Yeah. And meet Bill Burr and watch him. <laughs> so, so my material didn't hit how I wanted. It was mixed results. I definitely get, got good reactions from a lot of people, but it's probably the most divisive stuff I do, a little bit of roasting religion a little bit and not the demographic necessarily for that unless you just want to see what happens. And that's what I did. But I got to actually, you know, just meeting and talking with Bill and like watching him perform was incredible. And getting to see Nate go up and kill it, it was just awesome experience. Did you get to experience the whole thing about playing in a large auditorium like that of the laughs starting from the front and going to the back and getting that feedback? It was so weird. Yeah. Well, it was, so it was an arena. So it's like just massively tall. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was weird. The delays. Because part of me going on was like, oh, Zoom trained to me for this. For years, I've been talking to just a vast open space and hoping, but and having weird timing. But even doing it still, I got off stage and was like kicking myself about next time, I'll do better on the timing. Because even though I knew logically what to do when it was happening, I still paused a little too long between lines just to kind of be just how it was all working and in that moment. But yeah, it was weird, kind of like in a weird way of Zoom, because you have just a big, vast space where you just can't see shit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of shows you can't see anything, but I didn't have as bright of a light in my face directly as I felt like I do at a normal show. And then just kind of see on the corners in the stands to see people. And then, you know, first, you know, a couple of rows you could see. But other than that, it's just a big open space where you're kind of floating. And honestly, the nerves leading up to that day was way more than actually walking on that stage. Walking on that stage, like it was actually, that was the easiest part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified I'm going to drop my mic. Like, what's going to, like, I spent all day, like, I took the day off my day job and was, like, pacing in the living room. I have a mic in a stand, and I'm, like, rehearsing. I'm, like, what if I screw up this line? And, you know, that wasn't any of the issue. Because uh -huh. I've done that at regular shows, screwed up lines that I've done a million times. But that part wasn't a problem. It was, uh, it was just, it was interesting, and it was neat. Yeah. And you had logistics that you had to think about, because they gave you a mic, and you had, <laughs> did you bring Nate up? And then Nate had to bring up Dean or how was it the other so, way around? So, you know, around. so Nate goes up, they hand him a wireless mic. He does his set. Then he's to announce me. He announces me, give him a big hug. He gets off stage. And I was like, that's my favorite self-promoting cunt. Cause he had brought that up at the beginning of his set uh -huh. too. And Dean Del Rey's walking on stage, the feature. And I just announced, I was having, I was just feeling great. Just, you know, getting to shout that, you know, just announcing. All this energy, I'm walking off stage and I'm like starting to kind of hand it to him. And he's like, no, I got this. So like 10,000 people see, him, see me be like, oh, damn it. <laughs> so I tried to act cool. Yeah. And, and we had some friends that are comedians in the audience and I was explaining it. And they're like, oh, that's what happened. I'm like, yeah, you saw that. He's like, I don't know if like regular people noticed that as much. <laughs> the comics <laughs> definitely did. 
because they had a different mic. And then while I'm walking off stage, I'm holding the mic in my, that I had. I'm like, I'm sure they cut the mic, but what if they did? And so I'm like, put it back in the stand that I'm next to the stairs and get the fuck out of the way uh-huh. <laughs> before I start just kind of losing. It was so cool too, because then he's on stage going and then it's, we're just a couple of sofas off stage. We're a couple of, we're on a couple of sofas off stage with a monitor showing the front view of the act because we're off to the side and a curtain separating us from the audience. And it's just me, my buddy Nate and Bill Burr just fucking around on our phones at a show waiting for our <laughs> thing. Like, it was just like, this is incredible. Uh-huh. And then getting to see Bill go up. And it's fun too, because while Dean was up, like we hadn't taken a picture together yet. We had just hung out with Bill before in his restroom before, before Nate and I went up. But then Bill just goes like, hey, we should take the picture now. Just because he knew that we wanted to, but didn't want to make it awkward for us. Yeah. And like, it was just so, he was just a class act, man. And I've always been a fan of his. And I'm not just saying this because he let us do this, but just how he acts, like, just leveled up even further in my book of yeah. just how he is as a person. And uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's one of those comedians that really like comedy. And and it's a testament. You know, he you know, he gave you guys a shot, and that, that's great. Can, th- this is totally off comedy subject, but can you talk about Club Soda Kenny? Because I know who he is. And I've heard so many great stories about him, just about how he acts and stuff. What was it like? Because he's Bill's manager. So what was it like acting with him? So, you know, the day of, he's the one that emailed us. Actually, so the back and forth about the show, like we got the final, yes, it's happening in our souls nine days before it. Uh So we're just like freaking out. So he's who we're emailing with. Then he's like, yeah, we'll send you the information, like when to be there, whatever, like a couple days before the show. Then like five hours before the show, we get an email like where to park and go. And we're like, all right, now we know where to go. <laughs> so we're in the dressing room and it's probably, I think it's like right about eight. The show is part of eight, but of course it started about 8.30. And we're in our dressing room and, and this tall dude who's obvious, just seems like a tall New York dude with the, black jacket on, uh, or the Brad Garrett kind of guy, yeah. Brad Garrett, or in a way, it just comes in just very solemn, but very, just everything he says has a purpose, everything he does have a purpose, but he's not being pretentious or aggressive or like, yeah. like putting anybody down in any way. He just comes in and he just, like he knocked on the outside door, the door that was open, knocked again, and we're like, what the fuck? And we're like, oh yeah, come in, because we couldn't see the way the room was, and he came in. And he's like, oh, hey, guys. And we obviously, we knew who he was just from our communication. But he's like, hey, yeah, I'm Kenny. I'm like, oh, yeah, we've been emailing. Hey, thanks. How's it going? You yeah, have Nate, I'm Nico. He's like, cool, guys. So, uh, you know, we're going to start the show at about 830. Is that okay? I'm like, I thought the fucking <laughs> just treating us like respectable, like we're just, we're pierced. We're all just doing this shit together. And he's we're like, yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess that'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then he's just, you know, talking about, you know, how we'll bring each other up. And someone had explained a little bit before he, you know, touched on that, how it was working. And then he goes, so I'm just totally chill. He's like, so you guys want to meet Bill? We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that'd be all right. <laughs> and then he introduced <laughs> us to him. So he was, just, he was just chill and nice. And you could just tell that if he's going to do something that's going to be done right, and you know you're all right with him. And I think also some of that was he's probably just really good at diffusing stressful situations. And here's two guys who have never done this capacity of a thing before, but yeah. he probably knew that, you know, getting to like Nate said, like theaters and stuff, but like both of us, this is the biggest thing, you know, audience wise he'd ever done. So 
just a nice guy. Like we didn't really have a whole lot of communication after that. He just, we're all hanging out in a room talking with Bill and Dean. And eventually at one point he just goes, Kenny just says, Hey, so you guys want to start the show? And we're like, I guess, yeah, all right. Let's do, I guess we can do that. Yeah. And then took us <laughs> out and he's the one that took our picture too. And just, a, just a good solid guy. And, and then I, and then I look, looked up some stuff about him and, you know, I was him being called club soda Kenny and stuff. And I'll learn more about him. And I'm like, that dude's a badass. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I learned about him. I used to listen to Opie and Anthony all the time on Sirius XM. And he was like a regular on their show. And they would just oh, cool. give him shit just mercilessly. And, and he took it all. And very, he very rarely like would fight back or anything like that. And, but he knows what he is, you know, and, yep, and, that's it. And he's probably one of those guys that could break e either one of them in half at any point he wanted to, but he, kn he knows he doesn't have to. And I, I've always yeah. thought he's a cool guy. Yeah. Like a guy who doesn't have to say what he is just that yeah. much more powerful too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what, a good dude. Was this your first time to watch Dean Del Rey perform? Yeah. I never met him. I never seen him before. I do like a lot of people since then have pointed out some stuff that he's done yeah but yeah no first thing anything with him or of him yeah i love i love that guy he uh, he used to work with mark Marin quite a bit yeah and, they do a podcast together yeah and i watched uh, it was in grand rapids i think michigan i went to see him and he opened for Marin, and i just think he's great very underrated so oh, you, man, he was fantastic. So was you've cool. had this stuff happen and you've been pretty serious about comedy before that. How did getting on and opening for Bill Burr, how did that change your outlook on comedy and what kind of goals do you have coming out of that? Uh, these are great questions. It's funny going in. I was like, all right, going in, I'm either going to retire afterward. Just be like that. That was it. That was fun. <laughs> I had a good time. Cause like I've got a real job and honestly, do I think I'm ever going to have a, be full-time professional comedian and not have probably not mm. you know i got married got three kids i i have you know i'm not going out there taking big financial risks but i'm also having a lot of fun and figuring out ways to kind of put these things together so after that i mean it's been kind of it's been neat obviously being able to talk about it and then people know about it. i've been posting about it as far as like professionally i don't know how much it's changed what i want to do but it just kind of opened my eyes up for what could be potentially. Like, does that mean I think I'm gonna I'm gonna headline that venue someday? I have no idea. Most statistically, not gonna happen. But am I gonna try to get up again on somewhere like that? Yeah, yeah. And have I tweeted at some people on behalf of a couple of people, not for me to get up because places that I couldn't even get to? Because why not? Yeah. Uh, with the consent of those people that I'd be you know communicating about. Yeah. Because, you know, I swung the first time and I hit it. So I know it can happen. And if I hadn't hit, then I might not be swinging so many. And every swing after that might be a miss. Every single one. I, yeah. never, I, may never, I may never tweet at somebody who gives somebody a spot ever again. That's very possible. Yeah. Um, but more recently, the bit that I was working on there, that kind of turned into a thing where like, this needs to be some merch on this. So I'm thinking more about the business side and how I can help finance. Because some of those you know, shows that you drive several hours to don't pay enough to do the gas and the hotel and yeah. the whatever, but might still want to do it. 
and ways to supplement that. And I've always just been entrepreneurial since I was a kid. I've always been a salesperson and been doing something business-wise and, you know, run businesses that did ship things, you know, small items, but this is just a little bit different yeah. and realizing, hey, the business side kind of is, yeah, selling tickets and whatever, but selling merch, selling booze, and it's in the way of being the entertainer that night. So if I can, you know, bring some merch with me and make some money on that and kind of justify that trip a little more and have some experience, I don't know where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. I do think I am going to be able to headline at some point, I'm not saying like theater wise, like normal humans, they hear headline, they might think like opening and being someone that everybody knows. That just means doing 45 to 60 at some venues and being able to actually do it and have a good time and do it successfully. Yeah. And, uh, and actually just a couple of months ago, I finally decided to myself or told myself that I was going to do that at some point. I never even thought about it really. I just thought I was just going to have fun and see what I can do, do 10, 15 here and there, just try to get really good and have a lot of fun. So just trying to balance both those things. And if it pays for the trips to do comedy and maybe a little more for my household, then that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that almost every comedian I've talked to that has done it for a number of years is it's got to be fun. And you've talked about, you've mentioned oh, yeah. that it's fun so many times <laughs> that if it becomes to the point where it's not fun for you and all you're thinking about is the business, then you probably shouldn't be doing it anymore because you're not going to get any better and you're not going to enjoy it and you're going to end up just despising everything you do that's comedy related. So keeping it fun is definitely one of the more important things about oh, yeah. surviving and stand up. And honestly, business is fun for me. Figuring out the puzzle pieces of merch and I'm shipping and all these different things I'm thinking through right now, different website, shopping cart systems, how I want to do it. And it sounds boring, but it's exciting to me. Yeah. So I think if I can get that part of my joy from that and still be able to work on just the comedy itself, it's great because when I travel for work, I don't travel as much as I used to for work. But when I did, you know, about every other week, I might be gone for three to four nights. I could sit in my room watching Netflix or just go out and talk to strangers and try yeah. to have fun and make people laugh. And that's, yeah. I'm very extroverted on and off stage. So that's just, it feeds me. That's great. That's great. Well, I really respect what you did both with Displaced Comedians and the fact that Thank you, you. you just parlayed your way into a opening spot for Bill Burr. I think that's great. And that's one thing. So being in sales, you know, I'll say that I've been in sales for most of my life as well. And being in sales, I think gives you a little bit of a leg up in comedy because it makes you not afraid to ask because a lot of comics are very artsy. They're very introverted and they, they never feel like it's the right time to ask. And the funny thing is, you know, in sales, you know, you got to get like a hundred no's or whatever to get a yes or to do that. So we don't care how many people we ask. And yeah. we know that the person that says no, isn't going to make us feel, they don't think about us after saying no. So you could go back to that same person six months later and then they'll say yes, because it's the right time and the right place. But yeah, sales definitely, I guess it gives you a thicker skin about stuff like that. And you, the no's don't mean as much and the yeses are fine, but you know, you got to get to the next one too. Yeah. So it's, it, I'm glad you said it. it's interesting. Cause like I'll reach out. So like I'm going to Portland next month 
And it's been neat because every show I've done there in the last several, like I've been there several times last year and every time I go, I want different shows with different people. A lot of times only comics on that lineup is producing a different show. So it's just next time, hey, the, but the producers that haven't seen me in a while, or even if that comic hasn't seen me in a while, I'll shoot them a clip or whatever. And then if I get turned down, would I like for them to say, yeah, sure. But guess what? In six months, I'm going to be a better comedian. Send you another clip and say, hey, coming through again on this date, just checking to see if what might be if that, 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 whatever. Like it's not, it's, I'd rather be told yes, sure. But it's kind of like sales, asking for the sales, kind of like, I was thinking about this, kind of like, it's the punchline. It's the most exciting part too. You've done all the work. Yeah. And it's like, this is going to work or this is going to do it or it's not mm-hmm. right now. You know, can we, you'll get this sale, we place this order for you, blah, 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 whatever. I'm asking you right now to laugh at all this shit that I built up. And if you don't, well, <laughs> shit, I'm going to try again soon and I might tag you. So not the exact same thing. And while the experience of doing sales kind of does give you a thicker skin, I think it's also just you do sales because you have that prior. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah you, you develop do. it and enhance it too. But that does just the whole thing, building that and being that and just not really giving a shit. Like I said, it's nice when some, you know, I'd rather win or whatever. But yeah. like, it's like, all right, well. Next time I'm going to be better at it. And there's been some shows that I've been excited about that have been like, turned me down. And then I'm like, okay. And then I was on afterward and they made it even, you know, even that much sweeter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. So we're at a point in the show that's my new favorite part of the show. And I don't have a sounder for it yet. I don't know if I'm ever even going to do one. It's called, is this anything? where we each bring a bit or two to the, to the podcast and we give each other notes on it. So since you're the guest, you get to decide if you go first or I go first. I want to have you go first on this and I'm looking forward to this too. Okay. Excellent. Both of us looking forward to, but yeah. So mine is, this is one, I don't think I've said it out loud in this particular way. It's an old joke that I did way back when I first started, but it never really hit the way I wanted it. And so I wrote this differently. So, I love doing that. You go back when you're a better comic and it's like, oh shit. Yeah, yeah, I can make this better. So here it goes. You know, the world may be a burning hell, but one thing you kids got, one thing you kids got is your pot is so much better than I had when I still had hair and a positive outlook on life. You got the hybrid, you got strains for about any feeling that you want. And most of all, you got quality control. We had two varieties of weeds when, of weed when I was a kid. Mostly seeds and mostly stems. <laughs> One thing the marijuana industry hasn't been able to do, though, is in fixing the mystery of how an edible is going to hit. It's never exactly what you want. If I take an edible before a party just to take the edge off my social anxiety, I end up being found asleep on the dog bed the next morning. And when I just want to chill and watch some X-Files before I go to bed, you'll find me at 2 a.m. arranging the food in my fridge by the way it sounds when I chew it. And end joke. That's awesome. How close to that? What's, what was the original version? Do you remember? It was, it was only really the first part, but I went into more okay. stuff about hybrids and strains and vaping and all that kind of stuff. And the punch was mostly seeds, mostly or mostly stems. You stopped right there, which yeah. that's funny, but then you keep going. And that's, I really like the detail of the, by the way, it sounds, that's so great. Just all that. <laughs> like yes. How it makes you feel. 
<laughs> oh man, that's good. Ways to improve it though. Something I thought of when you were saying the world's burning, something about the world burns and you burn trees, burning trees, burning trees for smoking weed, burning trees. There might be something fun in there. Yeah. Everyone, there's a lot of diet conscious people. And a part of my, my, my bit, one of the bits I'm going to talk about is thinking about that is, I don't know, I was thinking something about also worrying about how many carbs are in a gummy or something like that. I got to worry about this. And yeah. then, I don't know. I don't know. If that's a thing. <laughs> and they're um, actually developing strains now that don't give you the munchies. They call it diet pot. And what? Yeah. And diet pot, diet pop. Diet yeah. Pot, no diet pop. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because really, as an adult, I get less much. I'm able to push past the munchie phase a little more as an adult than I was as a teenager. I was like, I just got to eat. Now I'm just like, all right, I've consciously thought about that. I might eat a shit ton right now, Yeah, but I can, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's, it is different. And man, I would, I'd do that on stage in a second. I mean, I'm not going, I mean, you, if I was you, I'd say go yeah. on and yeah, I'm gonna, release that as a mic or something. Yeah, I'm going to try it tonight. There's a mic tonight and I'm going to try it. But uh, it's funny, I, in most cases, I mean, we don't want to turn this into pot talk, but in most cases, I'm pretty good about staving off the munchies too. But last night was awful. I was watching movies <laughs> and... It was, it was like one in the morning and I ate six Eggo waffles. Dude, put that somewhere in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, six Eggo waffles and now I'm doing this. Like they're, yeah. I would throw something like that and then organizing the thing. And it's not funny to say you push back much. It's funnier to yeah. come and utilize it. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I don't know. We, it's weed's a weird, weird thing because like people say, oh, that's a pot comic, but dude, it's, hilarious there's so many fun things yeah. and the way the world's changing we can all connect in a different way yeah <laughs> it's super fascinating and really for younger audiences when i get on stage it i look like a professor or something like that so they don't expect me to be somebody who would talk about weed and so it kind of takes them off guard and that gets them listening but i've got another story that and i'm not going to even try it but I'm working around the uh, telling my kids the story of the first time I tried cocaine because it's a great story and it's fantastic, but I'm still getting around the fact of I'm waiting until they both turn 30 because my son turns 30 this year. I'm waiting till they yeah. both turn 30 because I didn't want to influence them into, into doing something that I told them was cool when they were younger, <laughs> but after they're 30, it's not my problem anymore. So I, yeah, and I got that dialed down, but the whole story part is probably like maybe an eight minute bit. So that takes a lot of work. So yeah, it's wild. That's fun. Well, if you ever feel like it, I, you whatever do it and shoot it to me. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. And tell you any thoughts on it. Yeah. This is one I'm actually going to have to write down. Because oh, yeah. I don't, I don't write everything down. I'll just write the premise down and play with it. But this one, I'm going to have to write down like almost like a blog, and then like and, and then cut out the bad stuff after that. Yeah, that's that. That seems like like you should. I that sounds like a great way to do that one on the seeds and stems too. Because I think some audience either they might not know, or it'd be just funny to point out be like, by the way, seeds and stems are these things where, cause they might've never even fucking seen a seed or a stem yeah. on weed before. Cause it's so perfect in that 
And you can come on like how perfect in that container. It's like these perfect, those don't grow on trees, folks. They don't, they do, but yeah. first they have this. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. There, <laughs> there's, perfect weed doesn't grow on trees. I mean, yeah, there's, there's more to the plant than the beautiful <laughs> bud that you guys get as the end product. And Back in my day, we have to carry this stock yes. 20 miles in the snow. We blow up, we breathe on it to dry it out. <laughs> we, we wait 72 hours for some dude to show up that we hope didn't rob us. Yes. Just so we could feel better. Yeah. <laughs> you little bastards having luck, having good. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, I could, I, I could add a shit ton to that because I had a lot oh, of yeah. experiences. So yeah, excellent. Okay. It's your turn, bud. And you said All that right. you might bring a couple and that's totally cool. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So, so the one that is a little more further through that I've been doing that, that I've been doing a bit, I can do a shorter version of it here, but just thinking of just different ways to go with it, where I was talking about experience I had where. I might even say it the same way as the actual thing, just talk about the bit a little bit. But basically, so I'm, I was raised Jewish. I don't really follow any particular religion. My wife's a full-on pagan witch, mm. all this stuff. And then our oldest son, he's 13. He did a while back. He was like, hey, guys, I'm Christian now. I'm going to be Christian. And we're like, oh, shit, this is going to be crazy. We did tell me this. I was like, all right, we got to figure this out as a family. Like, how do we approach this? Not saying right. you're a bad person. Someone's a bad person for being any religion, but like, we're not that religion. So whatever it is, just a different thing to deal with, you know? So when I gave him a big hug and I was like, it's going to be okay, you know, we'll get through it. And uh, some of my best friends are Christian, you know, trying to relate. And, but couldn't you just be gay? Like something, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> like some different ways to deal with. And then going into about how, you know, my wife's a witch and how that just makes it kind of a weird, a weird dynamic and a turn that I've been working on a little bit recently. And that is like, it's like, you know, I might, you know, we got a pagan, a Jew and a Christian, you know, we're a joke, we're a punchline, you know, we're, or we, you know, we're a hacky Netflix series. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah. We call it that son of a witch, uh, <laughs> which is silly and dumb, but I love it. I love silly wordplay and uh -huh. stuff and then going through it. And then like, and we're like, oh, where'd we go wrong? Maybe it's just a phase. And then the whole thing kind of where the last part is where I, which is I've been doing pretty much mostly the same way since I've been doing it is saying is like, is there maybe like some kind of camp we could just send them to, uh -huh. you know? Cause like, that's the conversion therapy I'd be supportive of. And if he came back and he was into guys, like what if that was a trade-off? Like he, he went to a camp and he wasn't Christian anymore, but now he's in the fellas. I don't know. Maybe that'd be better that, you know, maybe they could just gay the prey away. Uh -huh. <laughs> and that's a line that usually goes pretty well. Uh -huh. And then I add a little bit to that because. I, before the, I, that's the bit that I did at the Burr show. And before that I did that, I'm like, I got to tell my kid I'm doing this. Like I've never told him that I was working on this and mm -hmm. I was a little scared because then I'd get to, to talk about, I just told my kid that I was doing this on stage or that I was doing it at this show tonight because I needed to tell him about it. And I was a little nervous because what if he told me he didn't want me to? Like, what if he's just like, dad, please don't talk about this on stage. Then I would have to lie and tell him that I wasn't because I'm definitely going to. And he actually watched a video of me doing this set. Like he watched me because he was supportive of it. And he did come back from being Christian or whatever. Now he's like back to being pagan, but he just was worried that people, he, he liked watching it, but he was worried that people would think he was Christian. And I'm like, that's the part you have a problem with? I'm like, that's the, <laughs> really? I'm like, okay. 
And then he's like, <laughs> but he's like, Dad, what? How do they know I'm not Christian still? I'm like, and then he's like, I'm like, I don't know. At the end of it, I never really figured out how to I tell people after the show when they come up and ask, because a lot of people come up and like talk to me about it and like want to discuss the whole thing. I'm like, oh, he's not anymore. But he's like, tell me this, that. And my son, my 13 year old son, said, Dad, tell them that the camp worked. And I'm like, oh, dude, I love you so much. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then he's like, but like, try to make also like, I'm not gay. But then I'm like, I can't just say, but he's not gay at the end. That's just, that's doesn't, that's not, that's not fun. But then I just added some stuff to where I was like, made some stuff up. So like, oh, but well, the camp worked. And I go, hey, everybody, his girlfriend doesn't like that. Cause you know, she's like, oh, everyone's going to think he's gay. And I'm like, could be worse. Could think he's still Christian. Yeah. <laughs> And I just, and then it was funny too, because I got off stage and this actually happened in person because I actually brought him to a show where I did this. Uh -huh. And he's just like, dad, you should have, you didn't tell him what I said. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you didn't tell him that I wasn't gay. I'm like, I couldn't just say he's not gay. I had to make it a thing. Dude, I made you way cooler. Now I made up that you have a girlfriend. Like, yeah. <laughs> this whole thing. And after the Burr show, somebody came up to me and was saying nice stuff and was like, hey, I liked your set. And you really talking to me and Nate Baldwin was like, hey, great job, love. Then he's like, oh, sorry for wasting your time. I'm like, dude, I will spend all night standing here. You, yeah. we, This is why we, there's way easier ways to not make money than stand-up comedy. This is what, I will cancel my Uber and go star other friends right now to stand here and talk <laughs> to you. All night. Uh -huh. And while I'm doing that, this lady comes by and she shouts out, a lady who didn't like it, she shouted at me. And she slammed the door and drove off and she shouted, I'm a Christian. Cause she was at the show. She's huh? mad. Cause a lot of people at the show were mad about my bit. She yelled, she yelled, I'm a Christian, slams the door and drives off. So she shouted something she wanted me to know, but didn't want to discuss it. She was a Twitter post. And I, in, in the bit, like I, I shouted at her, it's going to be okay. You know, all gay for you. Yeah. Just trying to play on, I'll pray for you. In the beginning, when I tell my son, it's going to be okay. I was trying to call back to that. So I've been playing with bits and pieces of this. And I know I kind of butchered it and because I'm doing, I do it different ways every yeah. time I'm talking about this. And it's the thing that made this merch. I don't know. Is it uh, back? No, it looks straight this way. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Gay the prey away. Gay the prey away. My, yeah. After Luke off. And I'm, I've been selling these recently and I'm giving 10% of the money, the Trevor project that helps people who aren't straight with crisis prevention, suicide prevention for young people. Got a close friend and a comedian who lost their son to that last year. And, just thinking of like, I kind of feel like I was appropriating, making merch, making money off a thing that is not a thing that I am. Then I was like, oh, wait, I can give to something and make it like, yeah. you know, help, help something. Yeah, I love that. So a couple notes that I came up with on this is, so you don't, you and your wife don't have any desire to set foot in the church, but your son doesn't drive yet and he needs you to take him. So I can picture you guys just rolling past the church and kind of pushing them out of the car while it's still moving and saying, we'll be back in an hour and a half. And please walk down a block from the church so we can pick you up there. Oh, because we're so embarrassed. Oh, that's really, dude, I'm so glad we're doing this because I would have never thought of it. Yeah, yeah. That's I, awesome. I was thinking about that. It's funny because, you know, my kids and I kind of went through the same thing because, you know, I'm an atheist, but we sent our kids to Catholic school for a while because we, we didn't like the public schools. But mm. the and I've been thinking about doing a joke about this, too, because they both turned out to be almost exactly like me. And they've got oh. some spirituality, but they're not they don't think Christianity is all that. And but, were you scared about that going in? Were you worried like, oh, shit, oh, it's, wor it's worth it. But maybe, you know, was there a little bit of that? Yeah, I didn't want them to get like 
programmed or indoctrinated that's or anything. That's my fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, From but, anything, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. I always taught, you know, my wife and I always taught them to have their own mind. We never really pushed anything down their throats. So I think that helped. But yeah, there was some fear there, but there was also fear they wouldn't get an education if they went to the public school. So That's fair. Yeah. I actually knew a lot of Jews growing up. Since I grew up Jewish, a lot of Jews went to Catholic school because, well, they had a little money and yeah. they wanted the best education possible. Yeah. And that's yeah. where they believe that to be. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty sense. cool. If you want to use any of this stuff, if it helps at all that Jews go there too. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. like that. The You don't have to be Catholic to go to Catholic uh. school. And I was thinking about so that you can incorporate the fact that your son isn't gay, just being a little disappointed that you don't have that gay son that you can talk to your friends about, be shown as a progressive parent, you know, just, yeah. you know, it's like, man, you know, he's into the girls, you know, we're hoping that's just a phase and, <laughs> and we can finally have that showcase kid that we can talk to our friends about something like that. There might be something there. Yeah. Because <laughs> like you're, the yeah, you're still telling folks what's real, but then yeah. you can also throw in the fact that eh, we're just a little disappointed. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it could be cool if he was. Yeah. <laughs> so what else you got? So the other one that's a much less baked, I guess I might say kind of how I do it. Yeah. So so I've been losing weight. I somehow I've been losing weight on purpose in the last 14 months. I've lost 70 pounds. And usually they go like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I went all to my head. Mm -hmm. The way I'm thinking about it is all to my head. And say something about it was, went all to my hair too, because I had shorter hair in the beginning of all this. Uh -huh. And that I tried different diets. Oh, no, sorry. Next part of that, like doing is saying, yeah, one thing I really like about it is I actually fit normal clothes now. I really like getting like just like a solid size. I can just buy a shirt or whatever and just be pretty sure it's going to fit. Because I got to a weird size. I got to a two and a half X, which a two and a half X is where you try to pull your two X shirt over your body. Uh -huh. It's like trying to pull an empty balloon over a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, something's going to break. And none of these things were meant to do what you're doing with them. It's just nothing. Uh -huh. And then a 3X shirt, you just flap it in the wind. So that that's nice. And uh, different diets, I started out looking at like I did Weight Watchers for a bit, which was neat because they give you points based on your weight and all these things. And you eat those eat the food, eat points like a fat man, pack man. You, you, you eat those points and you succeed. You win the level, you lose weight, but then they give you less points like some bullshit golf diet. <laughs> I don't think that's the exact term there, but like there's something there in that where I'm like, this is stupid. I get less points now. Uh -huh. And then I was do doing keto, but you got to track so much stuff. You got to track your ketos. Oh, sorry. You got you to track your carbs, your macros, your metachlorians. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, so I try to figure out where my nerds are at. Yeah, it was a trap. Uh-huh. And then, but then I just did this thing where I just stopped eating carbs. Like, that's what I did. Basically, what I did is if I saw a loaf of bread, I just wouldn't eat it. And if I saw a glass of milk, which I love milk, it's fantastic. I would just wait till it arrived at its superior state, cheese. Because yeah. you know, cheese is just someone saying, milk, you could do better. Uh -huh. Gets the carbs out of that. But the, but I did, I do miss pizza. I love pizza. Pizza's fantastic. I missed it a lot. And there's all these recipes for keto pizza. You know, there's all these ones that are basically just cheese. You make a cheese crust and more cheese and sauces and toppings, which is a great, delicious way to have a heart attack. But <laughs> what it's not 
is pizza. It's not pizza. There's all these recipes for pizza lookalikes, but none of them are a pizza taste alike. Uh-huh. None. <laughs> and so, so they actually have a name for the thing I'm doing. It's called Dirty Keto. It's I think it's a stupid name. I think the same person who made up the Dare program's name made up that name just to try to sound cool. Dare to keep kids off drugs. Dare to keep middle aged men pretentious. And it it does that second one. <laughs> but then I. Lo- I like drinking, so I went to a bar and I was like, oh, I can't have, you know, I'm not drinking this happy bread juice that we know is beer right now. Fortunately, I love it, but I'm not doing that. So I go up to the bartender, I order a whiskey and a Diet Coke, whiskey and Diet Coke, because I'm a badass. And they're confirming my drink and he confirms my drink. He says this beautiful thing. The bartender says, oh, whiskey diet? When? <laughs> Was that the most beautiful, shortest song I've ever heard? Yeah. In my life, is that whiskey diet? Is that what I am doing? I am definitely calling it the whiskey diet. Uh-huh. That exact, yes, yes, I would like that, but I'm feeling extra healthy. So please make it a double. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> and that's what I got for that. That's the whiskey diet bit. I love it. So, so going back to front, I have just a couple notes. So the, the whiskey diet thing, I think is a great way to end it. It's perfect. And I would, I would end it the fact, you know, I, I'm Nico Lukoff and you can go to whiskeydiet.com to, to find, to sign up for your own personal whiskey diet plan, which oh my God, I should do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Which may include such great flavors as bourbon, scotch. <laughs> And just go down the line of blended whiskey, you know, whatever whiskey you want, you can have. And I I like that. The other thing is I love the two and a half XL. And one thing that you could add to that is now that I'm down to regular sizes, I can go into TJ Maxx and actually buy clothes because there wasn't anything there that fit me before. Yeah. Do they not have big clothes? I've never even been to a TJ Maxx before. Yeah. Um, it's actually, so I do one about my height and I haven't done it forever because it's not that funny, but <laughs> I, cause I'm six, five and there's no tall clothes there very mm-hmm. rarely. And I just say, yeah, you guys are lucky to be normal height. The only thing I can buy at TJ Maxx is socks and it, it's never really hit. But I think yeah. in your case, the fact that you could go to a normal, you, I mean, you could even say Walmart. You know, I can go to Walmart and get clothes that fit because the 3XL was too much and the 2XL wasn't enough. And now I can just get an L and be happy about it. Something like that. I can get an L and call it a W. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I love this kind of shit, dude. I could do this for ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you, that definitely has legs. You just have to, I, I can't tell you how to put it all together so that sure. it just, you've got tags throughout, but that's part of just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've done it a couple of times, always a couple of times different, little different. And that is actually, I think I'm going to do that on the website thing. Cause that is a merch item that I'm planning on my next merch uh-huh. design is a shirt. It says whiskey diet and has like a glass of whiskey or something on it yeah i think that'd be fun yeah i like it yeah that, that that's definitely got legs and if you didn't do it i'd probably steal it from you because i <laughs> i do whiskey and diet too so 
Nice. I was worried because I'm like, has anybody talked about that? Like, because because I usually don't do stuff that people have that I'm worried that someone's talked about because I'm usually talking about a specific experience that isn't a super normal experience. It's yeah, probably among the most relatable things because everyone's tried to diet or had a thing or whatever. Yeah. So I'm excited to keep playing with it and do it at at a show in Portland where where it's um it's at a place called the Bourbon Lounge and they have like liquor sponsors on the oh, show. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to playing with it. There. Yeah, that's great because you have that drink in your hand and you can do a to visual. Diet. Yeah, you can do a visual as you do it. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, this has been a fun talk. I know you got a comedy show to get ready for that I'm going to yeah, be in the audience. But uh, where can the folks find you online and all that good stuff? I think so. Laugh your Luke off. Let me see on the thing there. Dot com is my website right now. It's just a link tree page with links to just socials and stuff basically i'm laughing luke off you know twitter instagram facebook all the places if you're a comedian or an aspiring comedian or just a comedy fan that would like to see a little behind the scenes of a bunch of weirdos on the internet you know join displaced comedians and um, if you happen to be in portland oregon next month between february 9th and 17th i got four shows just spread out during that time that i'm really excited to get to hop in on and uh, if you want any of those stickers you know shoot me a message Got them on Venmo right now, putting together a website to be able to order those and stuff online and just want to connect and you're a comedian, want to talk, love to. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm glad we could, could, could connect. All right. Thanks, Scott.